Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Diego Ronaldo Tapia and I hope you're having a great goddamn day. So today I wanted to talk about something that's been on my mind recently and that is the importance of diversity in the entertainment industry. So let's not waste any fucking time, man. Let's just get right down to it. My thoughts on diversity in the entertainment industry never changed up until September of 2021. Before this date, I was neither an advocate for diversity nor was I against it. I was neutral and quite frankly I just I didn't care about it. But then, you know, everything changed when I stumbled upon the UFC Octagon interview of Brandon Moreno becoming the first Mexican flyweight champion of the world. What made this interview so special was Brandon's authenticity and passion. As he spoke, you could feel how shocking and special this moment was for him. He worked his ass off to make his dream of becoming a champion possible and well, that work paid off. He was emotional, he was grateful, and towards the end of the interview he said this in Spanish, which I'll translate. I come from a country where we say, yes we can, yes we can, but sometimes we can't. But today we could. You can make your dreams happen. I proved you can do it. Si se puede. That's the, that's the saying. After I watched this interview, I checked out the comments where I found one that made me giggle. And the comments said, this made me feel proud to be Mexican <laughs> and I'm Italian. So this comment pretty much summed up the way that interview made me feel. It made me emotional just like him. And for the first time in my life, it made me proud to be Mexican. You guys, I'm not a proud person. Well, hold up a minute. Since I've been writing for over four years, treating it like a full, serious full-time job, and since I've put in more than 10,000 hours of work creating my book to Tamar Dame and Void, I can say today with full confidence that my writing is fucking strong now, man. Real, real strong. I'm confident in my skills as a writer, and I'm super proud of the shit I created with Void. Man, anytime I think back, on um, Void and on all the characters I met along the way, I react two ways, one after the other. One, I'm left with my jaw wide open and I'm whispering to myself, fuck man, how the hell did I come up with this? This is unique. This is original. This is amazing. And two, as I think about the end of the story and all of the diverse characters I met along the way, I get a little sad. I'm sad to see them go. I'm sad that the story is over. And when this sadness overtakes me, I remind myself of the Dr. Seuss quote, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. So I smile. I smile at all the characters I met in Void, at all the different worlds I explored, and I smile at just how strong of a writer I have become. I'm proud of Void. I'm proud of the writer that I am today. I've come a long way, you guys. When it comes to my level of confidence, I've been on both extreme ends of the spectrum. On the lowest level of insecurity, I've been as anxious and unsure as George McFly, refusing to let anyone see my work out of fear or criticism. And on the other extreme end of the spectrum, I'm now on the border of becoming as confident and bold as Kanye West, something I have got to keep in check because... You know, as I garner garner more praise, as people tell me how amazing Void is, my confidence grows more and more, and I'm left telling myself I'm a f-
fucking god <laughs> bow in the presence of greatness because right now thou has forsaken us <laughs> um just kidding just kidding no not really i'm not kidding i do i can get that bold and i do have to keep myself in check keep myself humble but i think i'll be fine because yeah it's i'm aware of my thoughts of my emotions and i'm open about all of them so i'm aware of this possible issue of me becoming too fucking bold so if my if, if any if my friends tell me hey diego you're growing a little fucking cocky you ought to calm the fuck down i'll be like i won't deny them i'll be like no you fucking idiot you don't know me <laughs> i won't do that i'll say shit man you're right i'm getting out of hand and i need to take a chill pill anywho what made me talk about all my confidence in writing ah right i said that i'm not a proud person and other than with my writing i stand by that statement i'm not people nowadays are proud to be a lot of things they're proud to be gay they're proud to be bisexual they're proud to be part of a sports team and they're proud of the race they're proud to be black proud to be armenian and they're proud to be mexican i've never fallen into this category unlike my family for the longest time in my life up until that brandon moreno interview i was never proud to be mexican now here's the thing i was never ashamed about it either like i stated in the beginning of this episode i just didn't care man i was neither against being proud of one's race nor was i against it well <laughs> hold up a minute i have to be real you guys i have to be honest though what i'm about to say may hurt some of you i'll say it because again it's real it's honest before that brandon moreno interview i was slightly against being proud of one's race now let me explain why i was against it i was against it when it came to people who have done nothing in their life to be proud of if i saw someone who hadn't done anything special in their life who hadn't worked their ass off to accomplish something meaningful if they shouted i'm proud to be mexican i'd roll my eyes and think shut the fuck up you fucking worthless loser is that mean yeah it's mean i can get real fucking mean i can harbor the intense and the hateful judgment an intj like walter white harbors and again like i said with my level of confidence i have to keep that judgment in check i have to keep it from getting out of balance out of control anywho back then i thought if you're going to be proud if you're going to shout i'm proud to be mexican then you better fucking earn it you'd better have done something to earn the right to scream i'm proud to be mexican now <laughs> as i'm thinking about it as i'm writing this episode as i'm fucking saying all this shit i'm realizing that my stance on this hasn't really changed I still think you have to do something special to earn the right to scream how proud you are. Specifically, right now what I'm talking talking about, what I'm focusing on is the right to scream how proud you are to be Mexican. Why? Because I am Mexican. You want to scream you're proud, earn it. Make our people look good. Raise us up. Do not bring us down. I guess this is why I was so attracted to Brandon Moreno's interview. When he won the championship, He earned it through grit and countless hours of hard work. He literally put in the blood, sweat and tears to make his dream a reality. Now, okay, my stance hasn't really changed. I still think you have to earn the right to scream how proud you are to be Mexican, and I'm aware that this 
might bother some of you listeners out there. Well, here's the thing. Two things, actually. One, I'm trying. You guys, I'm trying to become a kinder, more empathetic, more understanding individual. I'm trying not to be so hateful, so judgmental. If I hear someone scream, I'm proud to be Mexican, I'm trying to stop myself from rolling my eyes and whispering, shut the fuck up, you worthless fucking loser, and then harboring all this hate and anger, affecting not only myself, but those around me. You guys, I don't want to carry that hate. I don't want to carry that anger. I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to put myself in the shoes of that person that screams, I'm proud to be Mexican, and remind myself, I know nothing about what they're going through. Nothing. They could have just experienced some sort of trauma. No, no, you know, I'm always using that as an example, but it doesn't need to be so extreme. You don't have to have gone through some sort of trauma. You could, they could have just, you know, had a bad day and they just saw their favorite sports team win a match, which made their day all the more better. And it, it prompt, prompted them to, to shout, hey, I'm proud to be Mexican. Who knows, right? Who knows why they're sh- shouting such words? And honestly, who the fuck gives a fuck? If you're happy and you know it, <laughs> clap your hands. If you're happy and you feel like shouting those words, then go for it. So, okay. Back to what I just said before, which was some of you listeners might be bothered by my stance that you have to earn the right to scream how proud you are to be Mexican. I said that I'm working on myself, that I'm aiming to be more of a, a more kinder and understanding human being that shouldn't be judgmental of others screaming out such words. But here's the thing. What if I wasn't? What if I remained the same and you knew judgmental people like me were out there roaming the streets? What then? My advice? Well, like much of my attitude towards people that don't understand me, or better yet, people that refuse to understand me, I say, go fuck yourself. Now here's the thing. When I say go fuck yourself, most of the time, I don't mean it as a hostile insult, but rather as a hey, you do you, man, and I'll do me. So if I'm one of those people that have just shouted, I'm proud to be Mexican, and notice someone rolling their eyes and whispering insults at me, I won't be hostile and approach them, but rather I'll think to myself, go fuck yourself. I'm happy to be me, and I don't give a damn what you think. Then I'll smile and go about my day. I urge you to do the same, to slowly grow comfortable in your own skin, to care less and less of what others think of you, to learn how not to let others' energy drag you down. This is a challenge, you guys. Fuck, I'm still learning how to do this. Because I'm an extremely sensitive and susceptible person. If I'm ruining about the streets and I pass someone who's extremely happy, guess what? I absorb their energy and I'm left feeling the same feeling just as happy as them. But if I pass someone who's harboring heart darkness and hate anger and hatred, I'm feeling exactly like them. So because I'm so sensitive, so susceptible so to other people's emotions, to, to, to the world around me, my first defense mechanism is to cut out what isn't healthy for me. I cut out all the bullshit, all the darkness, all the friends who are going nowhere with their lives and who just leech off the happiness of others. And I cut off all the news and social media channels that bombard me with death and negativity. And I surround myself with the opposite, with positive and happy friends and with news and social media channels that matter to me. Channels like like fitness and health, TV and films, education and interviews 
of people that I admire, that I look up to, that I want to learn from. But see, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> even by doing this, by blocking away the bad and by surrounding myself with the good, I'm still going to be approached by darkness because I cannot shelter myself from it. I can't run from it. I can't hide from it. It will approach me for this world is filled with both, with light and with darkness. One cannot survive without the other. If this is true, then what can I do? Well, I learn how to live with the darkness. I learn how to counter its energy and not let it bring me down. Easy, right? <laughs> no, it's not easy. I'm still learning how to do this. Fuck, man, not too long ago, after an encounter with an asshole raging with, well, fucking road rage, I pulled up to the parking, lo uh, parking lot, turned off my car, and took 20 minutes out of my day to breathe, to relax, to talk myself through everything that happened, allowing myself to think and feel whatever that came in the moment. And what came in the moment was I mimic the raging asshole's anger, cursing him and deeming him his kind of waste of life. Then I grew sad and ashamed, ashamed for letting me, letting his energy drag me down, for growing just as angry as he was. Then I asked myself how I could have handled that situation better. The answer I came up with was to walk away, or drive away in this case, to ignore his anger, his energy, and get on with my day. After this realization, I took a few deep breaths and told myself that everything was okay, and I didn't step out of my car until I felt I had rid myself of the man's dark energy. When I did, I stepped out of my car, approached the cafe I like to work at, and went on to write for the next three hours. So again, if... No, 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 no. When? When you come across someone like I did, come across someone like a raging asshole on the road don't let his energy drag you down learn to grow comfortable in your own skin learn to care less and less of what others think of you learn how not to let others dark energy drag you down okay i went off topic there but again such is the nature of these episodes it's a stream of consciousness activity so if a thought pops up boom let's go with it so let's bring it back to what I was talking about. And what I was talking about was Brandon Moreno and how watching his interview made me feel proud to be Mexican. So once I began to feel this pride, I then started thinking about diversity in the entertainment industry. I thought about the lack of Mexican or Hispanic actors in the many mainstream films and TV shows I've watched growing up. Personal favorites of mine like Terminator 2, Donnie Darko, Interstellar, then I started thinking about the mainstream shows that were led by a Hispanic cast. Shows like Narcos or the film American Me. And I realized that though both of these are great works, these works depicted the Hispanic community in the criminal underworld. They didn't depict them as the heroes. This thought then made me think back to the stories I created in my youth. The stories I created way before I wrote to Tim and Dame or Void. And looking back, guess what? The stories I created, which were sci-fi dramas, fantasy epics, comic book collections, and supernatural thrillers, all of these stories featured white main characters. This wasn't even a conscious decision, you guys. If I had an idea for a story, this, the characters I pictured in my, in my mind were automatically white and had a white name like John or Travis or Derek. 
if I did happen to have a Hispanic character, he only had a supporting role. And he was there to support the main white character. He wasn't there to lead the story. Now, before I go any further, I'm aware that some of you passionate young advocates might be screaming, Yes, Diego, yes! You now realize the white man is evil, that the white man is oppressing us all. Now it's time for you to join us and, and time for us to dismantle their empire, to behead their leaders, and to bathe in their blood as their children watch and weep in agony. <laughs> okay, maybe not that extreme. But anyway, uh, I'm aware of how this realization could make me see a systematic issue. And I'm aware of how attractive and how easy it is for me to see the white man as evil, to blame the system, the white man, for all of the problems I have in my life. Suffering from poverty? Blame the white man. Can't pay your tuition? The white man. Did you just get divorced and lose custody of your kids? It's the white man's fault. Unable to get an erection? Blame the white man. He refuses to let me plant my seed in his daughter's belly. He refuses to have a grandson named Carlitos instead of Tao Jr. <laughs> Anywho, uh, point being, I see... How easy it is for me to blame the white man for my problems. And I see why so many people around my age do just that. They blame the white man becoming hateful and angry for the suffering of their people. I don't want to become hateful. I don't want to become angry. Though I'm curious to learn more about the history of diversity in the entertainment industry, and though I'm curious to hear about the stories of those in the industry, I won't ever use the knowledge I gain to put others down, more specifically, to put the white man down. Raising others up shouldn't mean putting others down. So, all you Todds out there, all you Johns, all you Derricks, all you Kevins, unclench your butt cheeks. It's going to be okay. I'll be gentle. <laughs> okay, uh, where the fuck was I? Um, so, if I'm not going to put the white man down, I'm wondering if any of you guys are getting annoyed by me saying it like that. I don't give a fuck. The white man. Anyway. If I'm not going to put the white man down, if I'm not going to dismantle his empire, what do I intend to do with this issue of a lack of diversity in the entertainment industry? Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. I'm going to become the change I want to see in this world. I'm going to build an empire of my own that features a cast of diverse characters in my stories. I think unconsciously I've already done that with Void and Tatema Dame. In Void, a story which is a story of a man enduring three trials through space and time in order to bring his wife back from the dead, the two main characters are Idris and Perseus. Idris is black and Perseus is gay. Then the first half of the third trial in Void, the main cast of characters are an indigenous tribe that reflects customs of the Maya, the Inca, and some indigenous people, tribes that live near the Amazon rainforest. Within the second half of the third trial, the main cast of characters are people that reflect the customs of those in Iran, Lebanon, and India. Pretty diverse, right? Pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool, man. And, you know, I plan to keep this diversity, to, to give the spotlight to various people from all over the world, keep it going in my future stories to come. Fuck, man. In the next story I'm working on now, which is called Beyond Desolation, it's a post-apocalyptic horror slash romance, I've given the spotlight to a Mexican man, Santiago. Santiago is 30, he's 30, 30 years old and lives in LA sometime in 2050. Santiago lives in a world plagued by a virus that killed either killed off the majority of the population or made them lose their minds, their hair, and their skin, leaving only their muscle anatomy visible. 
Though Santiago didn't lose his mind, he did lose his voice. Believing himself to be the last man on earth, Santiago resides at the shelter he's lived lived at uh, his entire life, which is the Griffith Observatory. He hunts what he can, eats what he can, and he fills his days really by reminiscing about his past, about his family, who he lost five years ago. One day, though, he hears something he shouldn't. A woman speaking on the other side of a radio broadcasted from Burbank Warner Brothers Studios. And it's this woman that prompts Santiago to leave the safety of his shelter, embarking on a dangerous journey that makes him realize he isn't the only sane survivor left in this world. Anywho, that's the rough pitch I have for the story. I'm still in the super early eight stages of it. But anyway, I plan to break the book into three acts. The first is written in Santiago's point of view, recounting his journey towards the, towards the Warner Brothers studio. The second will be written in the woman's point of view, who I named Cora. And it'll, it'll tell how she got to the Warner Brothers studio and what she did after. And the third act will be written in both Santiago and Cora's point of view, and it will explore how these two characters fall in love. What I'm really interested in writing is, is their, their love scene. Why? Well, Santiago is mute and Cora is blind. So it'll be fascinating to write about the first time they make a love, since they'll have to rely on the three senses that they share, which is smell, taste, and touch. Since I haven't met or reached Cora's point of view, I'm not sure what her ethnicity, her race, I'm not sure what that will be. I feel like she's a mix between something Hispanic and something else. I, I really don't know, but I'm, I'm excited to meet her, see what her personality is going to be like. It's going to be awesome. Anywho, I mentioned that Santiago is Mexican, but what I failed to mention is how he and I are so freaking similar, man. If you listen to my episodes where I talked about my book, Tim Dame, you might remember that I said a lot of the characters I created carry some personality traits of mine that are either toned down or taken to extreme measures. Alexi Saranoff shares my wild side, which he takes to extreme lengths and never turns off. And Carlisle Baker shares my judgmental opinions of others, which is, again, taken to extreme measures, and he shares them openly, and he doesn't give a fuck about <laughs> if he, he hurts your feelings, man. Anyway... Before I met Santiago and Beyond Desolation, I considered Perseus from Void, the character that was most similar to me when I was 22 years old. Why? Perseus is extremely sensitive and doesn't stand up for himself. Should a conflict arise, Perseus either runs away, freezes, or when he doesn't do either, he lashes out in extremely unhealthy and toxic ways. He hates violence, yet when he reaches his breaking point, when he can neither run or freeze, he resorts to violence. And this makes him hate himself all the more. Perseus has a dark side. A dark side he hates and attempts to suppress for most of his life. Santiago doesn't. He's not hateful. He's not angry. And he never will be. Because of this, he can make for a great unintentional leader. But that's just the thing. Santiago doesn't want to lead. He doesn't want the spotlight. He prefers to keep to himself, keep to the shadows, and live a very simple life. I'd consider him a Hufflepuff, and I'd also compare him to Glenn from The Walking Dead. While characters in The Walking Dead like Rick Grimes or Shane eventually gave in to their darkest desires, killing others in brutal fucking ways so long as it meant that for their family's survival, Glenn never did that. He never gave in. He was the light of the group. He was the one with the biggest heart. Santiago's the same, you guys. So, okay. 
I have a dark side, but Santiago doesn't. But apart from this one difference, Santiago and I are pretty much similar in every possible way. First, there's our name. Santiago is pretty much just a fancier version of, of Diego. And then there's the way we look. We're both skinny with long, wavy hair. And then there's the fact that we're both hopeless romantics. See, up until Santiago left the comfort of his home to find Cora, he lived an extremely sheltered life, which meant he filled his days reading a lot of romantic books. The only people he lived with were his parents, Naldo and Lena, his little sister, Adalia, Addie for short, and his baby brother, Dante. And there lies another similarity between Santiago and me. Dante. Dante is based on someone I knew who I considered like a little brother. And this little brother of mine took his own life in his early 20s. Dante did the same. He did it not, not long after his parents died. But see, this wasn't the primary reason why he did it. Long before his parents died, Dante always felt different. One night in the Griffith Observatory, when Dante couldn't sleep, he woke up Santiago and asked, do you ever feel like you don't belong here? Santiago shook his head, and Dante said, I do. I wish I was born before the world went to shit, back when everything was normal. I wish I could have had friends I could go to the movies with, and I wish I could have met a girl I could have fallen in love with, just like in the stories I read. Anywho, this book and this character, Santiago, is without a doubt the most emotional work I've come up with so far because of all these similarities. And there lies the crux of all of my stories. They're all going to be super fucking emotional, you guys. Now, they might be set in crazy and surreal worlds. There might be mythical, myth, mythological creatures that are based off of different cultures. But at the end of the day, they're all going to focus on the human condition and the human bonds we have with one another. Bonds like that of brothers and sisters, or bonds like those between a father and a son, or bonds between two souls falling in love. Because of this, because I'm focusing on the human con connections we have with one another, something that is universal, everyone from around the world will be able to find at least one story or one character of mine that they can truly connect and relate to. Now, I went off the rails there for a bit, so let me bring it back to the main point, the importance of diversity in the entertainment industry. Ever since Void, I have and will continue to bring diversity in my stories. But here's the thing. I'm not doing it just for the fuck of it. I'm not doing it because diversity has become a trend that so many entertainment businesses out there have capitalized the fuck out of. I mean, fuck, you guys. Look at Captain Marvel, one of the first Marvel movies to feature a super female superhero lead. That sounds great, right? By giving a female superhero a platform, you're inspiring, inspiring young girls out there to want to embody the traits of Captain Marvel. But that's just the thing. What traits a little girl is supposed to look up to if Captain Marvel is just this perfect and all-powerful being? What was Captain Marvel's struggle in the film? Nothing. She struggled with nothing. She had no flaws, no weaknesses, no personality, and the big inner battle she had at the end of the film is the declaration that she's going to stop suppressing her full strength and reveal her true power. <laughs> wow. Just fucking wow. That's real freaking inspiring for all little girls out there 
Captain Marvel isn't a good example of diversity because the ex executives at Marvel didn't bother to flesh out a real and flawed and relatable character who conquers some real and relatable struggles by the, by the end of the film. Instead, the executives said, hey, people are hungry to see a woman superhero right now, so hey, why don't we just come up with something real fucking quick so they can give us a lot of fucking money? Guess what? It worked. Captain Marvel made over a billion fucking dollars, shadowing a film that came out around the same time with a strong and relatable female lead that should have gotten more attention. Alita, Battle Angel. So, I refuse to do that, you guys. I refuse to capitalize off of this diversity trend. I'm not a money-hungry film executive, and I will never, ever create a, say, what I just gave an example about, a strong and bland female lead just because diversity is a trend many executives are capturing the fuck out of. Diversity shouldn't mean a loss of quality content. People, at the end of the day, people want a good story with complex and three-dimensional characters. I'm giving them just that, you guys. In one of the trials in my book, Void, I created a badass female character that I won't name so that I won't spoil her fate. So how about we just call her Sarah Connor? So Sarah is a natural-born leader and badass. She was born in a rough world filled with violence and danger lurking at every corner. So in order to survive, she adapted and became as rough as the world around her. When we meet her in Void, she's a fully realized leader and warrior, respected and admired by an entire crew. But when she's forced to embark on a journey outside of her comfort zone, outside of her world, she realizes that she barely has what it takes to survive in this new world. She struggles to keep her crew alive, she struggles to lead her people to safety, and at the end of, her, end of her story, she gets her victory, she saves her old world, but she loses everything. Her crew, her role as a leader, her purpose. At the end of her story, when her world is safe, when everyone lives peacefully, Sarah struggles to adapt to this peace. She can't do it. She cannot adapt. She's used to the violence. She's used to the danger. She wishes for her old world to return so that she can regain, she can regain her role as a leader, so that she can regain her, her, her purpose. Where most authors would take time to maybe give Sarah a happy ending or even a flicker of hope that things would get better for her, I don't. I end Sarah's story then and there, and the reader is forced to wonder if she will ever, if she's going to live the rest of her life sad and lost. Bam! <laughs> That's how you fucking create a strong female character talking to you, Captain Marvel. If your female character is supposed to be a total badass from the get-go, then you give her a battle, be it mentally, physically, or both, that she struggles with throughout the entire story. And if you want, if you're a bit like me, it's just a choice. Well, it wasn't a deliberate choice to... But anyway, if you want, you can tear apart, just like with Sarah, you tear apart everything that makes her incredible. Her strength, her determination, her leadership, her purpose. This, this wasn't a deliberate decision. At the end of the day, I don't plan out the fate of my characters, most of them. Not all of them, actually. They are in charge of the story, you know. It's their story at the end of the day. Anyway, though I give it no thought in my past, I now see the importance of diversity in the entertainment industry. 
It's powerful when a little boy or little girl from whatever race or identity sees someone just like them up on the big screen or on the front cover of a book cover. They'll go up to their mom, their dad, pull on their shirt and whisper or really yell. They're going to yell, I want to be just like them when I grow up. Hell, man, as I'm thinking about it now, my love of various cultures, my will and insistence to be open to different perspectives from all over the world stems from my love of Avatar The Last Airbender, which I binged when I was a little kid, and I continued to binge still to this day and will continue to binge until the day I die. Now, I know if you've listened to my past episodes, I've talked about the show many times, and guess what? I'm going to fucking talk about it again. That show has so much wisdom that can be applied to nearly everything, anything and everything in life. The latest wisdom I'm thinking about right now is the scene where Aang is opening up his chakras with Guru Pathik. One of the chakras Aang, Aang's open, opens is his light chakra, which deals with insight and is blocked by illusion. And the Guru Pathik tells Aang this. The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate and different are actually one and the same. We are all one people, but we live as if divided. Movies and TV shows in the past divided people by focusing on characters that were predominantly white. And today, people have become aware of this issue, and though this is a good thing, it has become bad because people are attempting to put others down. Mainly, they're putting the white man down doing this as an act of revenge for all the years they felt oppressed. Not good, you guys. Not good at all. Like I said before in the beginning of this episode, we cannot put others down. Doing so will only continue the cycle of oppression in a different way. Break the cycle. Be the bigger person. Let go of your hatred, of your anger, and raise not just your people, but raise everyone up. Why? Because it's just like Guru Pathik said, we're all one people. We're all one and the same. I don't care who you are, where you grew up, or what your political beliefs are, but if you went through the same pain I went through, the pain that I still go through and will forever go through, if you knew a friend that took their own life, then I feel your pain, my brothers and sisters. I see you. And if you fall in love with another soul of love has surprised you when you least expected, then I feel your wonder and your nerves. I see you. I see all of you, black, brown, white, Christian, atheist, agnostic, conservative, moderate, or liberal. I see you. I see all of you. Yes, we are all different. Every culture, every family, every being, we all have differences in beliefs and traditions and personalities. But what binds us is our emotions. What binds us is our love. The love between two sisters. The love between a mother and a son. And the love between a friend you've grown to see as a little brother. This is what makes us the same. This is what makes life so special. So stop putting others down, stop living as if divided, and start realizing that we are all one. As always, thank you for listening. It really means the world. I'm pretty sure this will be my last episode of the year. I said in my previous episode, which was just giving you guys an update on the podcast, that I really wanted to talk about this topic. And well, guess what? I just fucking did that. You know, I want to end this year off strong. And I don't think any other stream of consciousness episode that I have in mind will end as strong as this one. So I won't see you guys up until sometime within the next year, maybe spring or summer, probably spring. So until then, I wish you nothing but the best and I hope you have a great day. Thank you.